Okay, I understand uh, we have a uh, public speaker, uh, Mr. Matt North. Uh, I'd like to call you and address the council, please. Thank you. I'm speaking tonight regarding the actions of certain senior members and officers that I believe calls, the question, calls into question the honesty and integrity of this council. I believe that nothing short of an independent inquiry is called for into all aspects of the council's behaviour in this case. These actions follow the breach of a tree preservation order by a serving councillor. Whilst breaching a TPO is a criminal offence, it is not the breach itself that I wish to focus on tonight, but what happened afterwards in the treatment of the incident and the apparent concealment of the incident. According to a witness statement, following the incident being reported, Uttlesford's head of enforcement arrived on the scene, interviewed the person and asked this person whether they were prepared to go to court to act as a witness. What happened next is most extraordinary. The council chief exec has admitted that he was asked to attend the scene by the then leader of the council, a scene which was now the subject of a live investigation. I wonder just how many TPO infringements does the chief exec attend? I also wonder how it could be even remotely proper for the chief exec to attend when his head of enforcement was taking action, and how could the leader of the council have considered it right and proper to involve him? I also wonder what the motivations of the former leader were in doing so. I will now refer to a letter sent by Essex County Council to Uttlesford on the 21st of August 2013 with recommendations as to how this breach should have been handled. While it does state that it would not be in the public interest to bring a prosecution, it states, UDC may wish to consider administering a formal caution. This is a formal process whereby the perpetrator signs a statement admitting the offence and submitting the caution. This process would also be transparent and would address any public concerns about the case. What has actually happened is the opposite of transparent. Historical records of the enforcement action are missing from the planning system, I'm told, for technical reasons. It's also worth noting that Essex are responding to the incident as if the offender were a member of the public. Given that it was a serving councillor and the act an offence against his own planning authority, I would have thought this to be a standards issue. Certainly the, the leader of the council's involvement um, and the involvement of the chief executive is a standards in issue and asked why there was no standards investigation. In September last year, the TPO was the subject of an appeal which the planning inspector upheld. The expert, stated, the expert has stated that any breach and caution would not weigh favourably in any future appeal. However, just such appeal was before Ruttlesford's planning committee last week and again the way the council behaved was extraordinary. The original planning application was handled by the landscape officer who recommended a refusal, a recommendation reinforced by the planning inspector on appeal. However, for last week's application, the officer's report was written by the assistant director of planning. No expert report was provided and this time the recommendation was for approval. 
The Assistant Director of Planning's report recommending that, the tree be, um, that pruning be allowed back by reference to the last pruning point. However, the Planning Committee weren't told about the unlawful pruning, which was clearly relevant. In fact, strenuous efforts were made to stop any reference to this directly relevant history being adduced. Why? Moreover, none of the papers were provided to committee members in advance of the meeting, and no members are available to members of the public at the meeting, contrary to all normal practice. A written statement by the neighbour was censored for being read out, supposedly on the grounds that history wasn't relevant. However, a statement from the applicant detailing his version of the history was allowed to be read out. Two councillors who tried to adduce relevant history were threatened with prosecution if they did so, but your legal officers will not provide details of the alleged offence that would have been committed, and this again seems like an attempt to stifle debate. If there would have been a legal offence, I would have expected Mr Michael Perry to set out in writing for all councillors to know what offence he claims would have been committed. I do not believe that he can, but I think we are entitled to understand now exactly what offence would have been caused and why the stifling of the debate and of relevant evidence was justified. You may also have heard speculation that it is an offence for a council employee to disclose details of offences of which he is aware are spent under the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act. This is not true. The Act says that it is, in, that it is an offence only if a person has become aware of such a previous offence in the course of his official duties that he discloses it and, most importantly, that the disclosure was not made in the course of those duties. It is absolutely clear that the relevant employee disclosed the offence in the course of his duties by responding to a question from a member of the public. You may have heard that the question was pursuant to the Freedom of Information request. It wasn't. It was just a question from the public of the sort routinely responded to by officers. No doubt the officer has upset members of the council who tried hard to conceal the TPO offence, but to suggest that the relevant employee has committed an offence is outrageous. It appears that a council employee is being persecuted for embarrassing a councillor and we should all be extremely worried at this. As mentioned, I believe that nothing short of an independent inquiry is called for into all aspects of the council's behaviour in this case. Thank you. Thank you, Mr North. Uh, is there any response? No? Okay, that's noted. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we'll now move to um, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. I have apologies from councillors Cheatham, Lemon, Parr, Salmon and Foley. And uh, councillor Knight will be late, I understand. And uh, uh, best wishes on uh, speedy recovery is uh, given to uh, councillor Salmon and councillor Foley. Um, declarations of interest? <coughs> Done. Okay. We'll move to uh, the minutes of previous meetings. Uh, the first one we have is the 15th of July. Okay, I'll just, as there's three sets of minutes, I'll just ask if there's uh, any comments on those minutes, i.e., the accuracy of those minutes. First, the fifteenth uh, of July. Okay, that's good. 
the 5th of August. Okay, good. And the minutes of the 19th of August. No, excellent. I will sign those as uh, true records then. Matters arising. So, can we take um, the meeting of the 15th of July first? I'll quickly go through it. Page four, page five, page six, page seven, page eight, page nine, page ten, page eleven. Page 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Okay. And on the 5th of August, page 21 of our documents, 22. 23 at 22. Councillor Dean. Mr Chairman, I'd just like to briefly um, pick up some feedback that I had from that meeting, um, both from members of the Council, um, particularly planning committee members, but also from a, a member of the public who stopped me in the middle of Saffron Walden some week or so afterwards. It, it was, there was a feeling that the, that the presentation that the Chief Executive <coughs> made probably went too far in seeming to criticise the Planning Committee. Um, and, and I just want to draw that to everybody's attention. I don't want to go into it in great detail, but there were lots said about inconsistency uh, by the committee and, and, and judgment and, and it seems to me that, that it, it's actually not appropriate for, for officers to criticise in public um, their own um, planning committee and if, if I can just say one more thing um, to, in defence of the planning committee the, the planning committee was being held up to have made the wrong decision regarding the care application. I would just point out that today I've had a uh, result of an appeal on 14 Cambridge Road in Stansted which the planning committee refused three times um, and I know that members of the planning committee were berated in private I think by the chairman of the committee for, for doing that and yet that appeal was dismissed today. Now I know the circumstances are not the same but I think the point I'm trying to make is that committees, members make decisions, they use their own judgment uh, and therefore the, the overall committee comes to a decision. I think, I think we should respect the judgment of the members that they make and, and not, not, not criticise them for using their judgment in whatever ju decision they came to and that's, that's all I want to say Mr Chairman. Okay, thank you for that. 
Uh, anything else on page 22? 23? 24, 25? 20, and we move on to the 19th of August, which is 26, 27, 28. Okay, fine, thank you. Moving to Chairman's announcements. Um, there will be a, an extraordinary council meeting on Tuesday the 11th of November to agree, which is a formality I understand, the uh, revised polling scheme to operate at the elections on the 7th of May 2015 and for the next five years. So that's uh, just a note for your diaries. Uh, moving on to item five, matters of report from the Leader and members of the Executive. Leader. Thank you, Chairman.
and uh, this is uh, my first report. Um, and since the 15th of July, uh, I have uh, been elected onto the Health and Wellbeing Board at Essex County Council. So I just want to give you a brief summary of that. Uh, I've been to two actually meetings of the leaders and chief executives. Uh, uh, at uh, Essex, and I'll give you a brief report on that, um, and one or two other matters as well. First of all, health and well-being. Um, we consider the Better Care Fund, which many of you will be aware is a 3.8 billion fund uh, to better integrate social care and health, and how that will happen in Essex. Uh, it is absolutely crucial, I think, to the execution of both of those uh, areas of care. And uh, you, you know, I, I think we can come up with some good solutions there. We had a very interesting report from uh, Mid-Essex uh, CCG uh, on their proposals for dealing with frailty. And I think, uh, as uh, uh, in other cases, a good example. We'll look at that closely uh, in Uttlesford, uh, although we're already doing some good work, actually, on that subject. And the third uh, topic was working closely with the voluntary sector, as you, as Council will be aware, something that's very close to the heart of this Council and something I think we do quite well. As far as uh, leaders and chief executives is concerned, uh, there is a mood, I think, to uh, work more effectively together. And there are a couple of projects, just at very early stages, but I'll obviously keep Council up to date as they develop. Uh, one is around the potential for integration on building control, and the other is uh, the potential integration of a more common waste system. Now, clearly, the latter is uh, very sensitive, I think, as a, uh, as a service that we offer to the public. Uh, many councils are at different stages in their contractual arrangements. Some are contracted out altogether. So it, it, it will take time. But I think the principle uh, of working together is the right one, where, of course, it upholds the level of service that we expect for our community. And a number of these subjects will be picked up at the... Uh, Local Strategic Partnership Board meeting tomorrow, and I think uh, uh, Councillor Ranger has referred to that in, one, in his report as well. Keep you up to date on um, planning generally. Uh, you're all aware that uh, the inspector is already uh, in work and uh, call for questions. Council's responded twice to those questions, call for comments from uh, uh, other interested groups and sits in public session week commencing the 17th of November and week commencing the 1st of December. This morning the local plan working group considered um, the uh, need for uh, uh, gypsy and traveller sites. Uh, as you'll be aware, um, uh, the process of calculation has determined that uh, Uttlesford will need to find 26 more pitches uh, between 2013 and 2033. Uh, a piece of uh, uh, work has been undertaken by Brett Associates and that will go out to very full um, consultation uh, and we'll take uh, the, those uh, potential areas uh, with us on a journey of looking at the possibilities. But obviously at the end of the day we will have to uh, find sites um, and it's rather the same as housing we particularly need to find a, a five year supply which is about nine sites I believe um, other announcements I'd like to make but we'll be coming back to council for your vote on this is that uh, we do believe that in an area such as Uttlesford that the people who work for this council uh, should at very least receive the living wage which as I think you're aware is slightly more uh, than um, the, uh, the minimum wage. Um, it concerns about 12, maybe a couple more, but about 12 
uh, employees and uh, will cost the council about £9,000. So we'll bring that back to you. We'll take it through Cabinet next week. But I think it's absolutely right that we do that. We then become uh, a part of the Living Wage Association and obviously will encourage others to do the same thing. It gives me pleasure to announce another lead member. Uh, Councillor Eastham is the lead member for Conservation and the Environment, uh, and that is uh, very good. I think we're, we're clearly an area that uh, uh, we will uh, also be focusing upon. Um, finally, uh, colleagues, I just want to talk uh, about investment, uh, because it is extremely important that this Council is looking to the future, uh, is looking to the future in terms of investing uh, in its economic prosperity, in the strength and wealth of its uh, social infrastructure. Uh, as you're aware, we have um, laid, a, laid down a sum of a million pounds this year, and uh, I, I'm sure uh, Council Chambers will be reporting to the Council uh, 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 another initiative for next year. We have already uh, invested in expanding car parks, uh, at uh, Swan Meadow in uh, proposing uh, broadband to those rural areas that um, cable won't reach. Um, in terms of uh, business rate relief, uh, more staff for the economic development team here, a number of initiatives. But I think our theme will be around housing. At the moment, we don't have anywhere for homeless people. We have to put them up in uh, short-term accommodation. So we should look seriously at that. We don't have any short-term housing, so I think we should look very seriously at that as well. So uh, that would be an area that we could, uh, we'll be looking at. Uh, we're doing a study, as you're aware, in terms of do we need spe other specific areas for business development? Do we need incubation? Do we need office space? Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting that the council is going to buy these things, but we need to... Uh, be aware and, and provide the seed corn if necessary to make that happen, although, as you're aware, there is a very significant increase in our local plan in areas for business. Car parks. Uh, we're doing a further study uh, on um, the capacity uh, and location of our car parks, and this will chime closely with the work that the scrutiny uh, committee did, the report that they did, so we want to bring the two things together so that Uttlesford is set up. Car parks, um, their availability, their convenience, their price is fundamental to the success of our high streets, so we need to be on top of that. Uh, we, we need to be investing in community support. Um, we'll talk to you on another occasion about community agents when we've had slightly more clarity. We've got a report tomorrow at the uh, LSP board, um, but there are opportunities to, to create that link between uh, health and social care, to take that through to community resilience and, and, and to work with those other bodies that are providing support for those that need it in our communities. Uh, two other areas, uh, broadband I've already touched upon, but we will ensure that uh, we fully support the, um, the capacity of broadband uh, in, in our community. And finally, uh, we need to consider about our investment in leisure. Uh, leisure, uh, sport, uh, better living, uh, well-being and uh, there are a number of areas that that might cover. So those are the sort of some of the areas where we'll be looking to invest, and as I say, it's an investment that will give us either an economic return or a return on our social uh, benefit. So I think uh, that is broader the areas I want to cover, but obviously happy to take questions. Chairman, thank you.
Thank you very much, uh, Councillor Rolfe, for that encouraging report. I was particularly interested in the, how you started off, which was the Better Hair Fund, but you actually corrected it to the Better Care Fund. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking of applying. But um, can we now move to uh, other members of the Executive? I appreciate that people have tabled reports, uh, so just if you can give your key, uh, key points, please. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um, I haven't got um, a lot to say this evening. There were just a few key things I wanted to mention. Um, quite exciting. The scaffolding is coming down on the first phase of um, Mead Court fairly um, imminently, so hopefully we'll get some, um, something out in the press on that for you, which is um, fantastic. Um, I'm really delighted to say that last week at um, Planning Committee that uh, Catons Lane... Um, site for uh, some more of our own council housing was um, approved by the committee. Uh, we are also, as you all know, looking at um, improving our sheltered accommodation and our next housing board meeting is being held in Hatherley where we are intending to make some um, quite significant changes but I just thought it would be good for the um, housing board committee to actually be familiar with the with the site um, and there's just one other thing I wanted to mention and I know I keep sounding like a broken record but um, don't forget we have our housing um, conference here at the council offices on Monday the 3rd of November from 9.30 um, there some, are some really important items um, to be discussed during that conference um, and we have some excellent speakers as well um, but there are things like um, what changes should we make to our um, allocations policy? We've been talking about this for some time. We're going to be talking about it again. Um, you know, it's important to me that our local housing is for local people, and I, you know, I really would appreciate um, as many members of the council attending that conference because it, it is sometimes poorly attended by um, our own members, and um, the officers do put a tremendous amount of work into pulling that conference together and it is really so helpful to all of you to understand what is going on in our own housing department, let alone what's going out on um, further afield. So if you could make a note of that date once again, 3rd of November, 9.30 in the morning till about 2pm. And if you are going to attend, if you'd be kind enough to let um, Stephanie Baxter know so we've got an idea of numbers, but I would appreciate as many of you being there as possible, please. Thank you. Um, Councillor Ranger? Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. Uh, yes, Members, uh, you have a brief report of the activities on my portfolio uh, in front of you. Uh, it's necessarily uh, brief because if I went the full extent of reporting on everything that... Uh, we are involved in, it would be several pages of A4 double-sided. Uh, the health and wellbeing the leader has already touched upon. There are multi-streams uh, of activity going on as there's an ever-changing uh, face of the, uh, the service to, to the public to keep up with. Um, on the sport and activity, we're very lucky we have um, a an officer in Paul Goddard who is very active in uh, promoting uh, treatments for people who 
have need of some physiotherapy type activities to overcome their problems. Uh, he's doing sterling work there and we have actually got a, um, another officer seconded with him now. Uh, the local economy, um, there is better news to, to come on that and I won't touch on that tonight in any detail but uh, we are moving in the right direction. And the voluntary sector is something that we really need to make sure that we continue to be aware of and uh, make the appropriate allowances within our budgets. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Rangers. Uh, Councillor Waters, do you have anything extra to add to your, to, to your uh, report? And the uh, local highways panel. I'll take them basically point by point. The emergency planning side, um, just a little summary about what's happened about the sandbags, the distribution. It was taken up by 20 of the parishes in the district um, to varying quantities. It was basically to give them some sort of stock to deal with immediate emergencies. And then from there onwards, they were to get their own stocks themselves. We distributed around about 1,000 of them. Community engagement, this is a very important aspect that uh, our emergency officer has been very much involved in which is basically in two things. One is the Resilient Roadshow, which is designed to engage with the public to raise awareness of community, family and individual resilience. That's one important aspect of it. The other one, which is tied up with it indirectly, is the parish council workshops, where the focus is basically on better understanding of community resilience and localised emergency planning. These are very much interlinked at the time of emergency. Um, item 3, based the Essex Police update, um, I have to say that I asked for this report fairly early in the day, um, about three weeks ago, and it was at a time at the height of the changeover of the new uh, policy of the Essex Police and Reorganisation, so it was done manually and in advance of their monthly summary. So some of the figures I've since found out, in fact, were a bit inaccurate. I'd like to just mention those ones. Uh, they particularly um, revolve around the total crime figure, which I put down here as 7%. In fact, it was 2.6% for the uh, year since April. In fact, that's nevertheless very good indeed. Bear in mind we have the lowest crime rate in eastern counties. So to get a reduction, I think, is good. We've had a substantial reduction in burglaries and thefts, which we, after the spike they had at the beginning of the year, and we weren't the only district to have that. They had it in places like uh, Cambridge, for example, where burglary raids eight homes in one hour, not bad. Well, we've got through that spate for the time being, and obviously the figures have come down. A new innovation has been the TownLink radio scheme, which is interlinking between basically the shops and other people involved within the town to get as much information as possible about any potential crimes. That's going to be very useful. It's just being rolled out now. The third item is the domestic violence aspect. Now, there are some changes to that. Um, there was a, the figures I had were a little bit askew. In fact, um, with urban um, emergency, now emergency is the highest rating where they have to expect to arrive within 15 minutes. Uh, there were basically 26 calls and they achieved a 75% achievement and eight of those calls turned out in fact to have a, a heading of domestic abuse. Priority calls, which uh, 
uh, urban and rural, they're treated the same way. Basically, they expect a arrival date, arrival time of about one hour. They were, uh, out of the total number of all calls that were received, 203 were headed under the title of domestic violence, and there was a 69% achievement of that target figure. Moving on, for antisocial behaviour, that I'm pleased to say has gone down by 3.6%. Uh, there have been um, one or two recent uh, antisocial behaviour incidents which got a lot of publicity at the time, uh, which is covered in my report. Uh, there is the new Antisocial Behaviour Crime and Policing Act just coming into being now. Um, I think this is where the ASBOs are being replaced with what they now call CRIMBOs, where a lot more emphasis has been given to the victims rather than the criminals, and uh, hopefully that will lead to some more effective policing, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, local highways panel and rangers. Um, the panel has done extremely well again this year. It has had the same budget now for two years running, £472,000. Uh, we've spent uh, the money basically on the type of schemes I've highlighted in my report, uh, with the number of schemes that have been approved and basically carried out. Uh, I'm glad to say that on the public right of way, the portfolio holder for Essex uh, has agreed that we can now move forward on to having um, uh, closure, winter closures, which were terribly important because any work done was being destroyed by the bikers used to come through at the worst time of the year, riding up and down in the um, mud and muck, um, upsetting all the work that's been done. Now we're going to have winter closures, which means that will hopefully bring some sort of end to that. Um, the Highway rangers are doing, as always, a sterling job, and I've put down here a breakdown in the type of work they're doing, which really is to be expected, most of it being vegetation, a certain amount of sign cleaning and painting, which takes further down the list because that can only be done at certain times of the year, but they do it, and they do a first-class job on it. We're in discussions with the Essex County Council in extending their role to clearing out a certain number of uh, ditches and uh, culverts which are causing problems. These have yet to be identified and agreed to which ones the rangers could possibly cope with. And this is also being part funded by ourselves and the county council is match funded. So th that's a, a good thing and I think they could do a very good job but we haven't yet concluded our discussions on that. Mr Chairman, that is basically a summary report but what I'm going to announce also that, and save all this business of me having to put these figures in as far as I can, the Officer Performance Summary from Essex Police comes monthly in this document, and now is, they've got it down to a pretty well fine art. Um, it's very comprehensive, and I've got an agreement with the police that we can put this on an Uttlesford website so that members can go and view any pages of it at will when they want and it gives all the information there. So I think that would be a step forward and less to go in my report in the future and it would be more accurate. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'll take questions. Thank you, Councillor, for that very uh, uh, detailed report. Um, we now have, uh, I think Councillor Chambers would uh, like to... Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'd just like to say to you, uh, colleagues, that um, uh, the... The Finance Department is working extremely well. Uh, we had a, a good audit report, an unqualified audit report, which you will have seen, which we uh, thank Councillor Howell for his excellent chairmanship. Uh, there will be a report at the, the uh, Cabinet next week on Treasury management. 
and the budget is going well, but I'm always interested to hear your ideas as to how we can make it even better. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Um, are there any questions of the Executive on those reports that have been, uh, been tabled? Councillor Manel. Thank you, Chairman. Having had two small burglaries this week and hearing that there is spate of burglaries in Clavering this week, I hope we get some more up-to-date figures of what's really happening here. It was a bit worrying to hear all that. Um, but I would like to ask Councillor Walters if the Rangers are now doing hedging, uh, which came up at a parish council, and I didn't think they were responsible, but it looks from this list as if they may be doing some of those things. And also, if I may ask Councillor Redfern if the parish councils are being invited to the Housing Day in November. Thank you very much. Um, yes, Councillor Manel, we are inviting parish councils and I'd be happy for if um, I have already had a request from another member for someone, um, a colleague to attend and um, I think as long as we advise Stephanie of who wants to um, come along, I think I'd be very, very happy. I'd, I'd rather see this place heaving with people than um, all the work the officers have done and not enough people attending. So. Um, uh, it does go to the parish councils, but if you can all get your parish councils to attend, even better. Thank you. Councillor Rose. Thank you very much, Chairman. Um, three questions, uh, one for Councillor Rolfe, uh, one for Councillor Redfern, and one for Councillor Walters. Um, if I could do that in reverse. Um, could uh, Councillor Walters please confirm or, or certainly highlight the fact that domestic abuse in uh, Uttlesford seems to be on the rise um, and we had an excellent uh, day's training in domestic abuse and can we have more of them to highlight the issue because I think it's a terrible crime in our community and uh, I'm saddened that over 300 uh, emergency calls were called out for this specific crime. Sorry, beg your pardon. 
Uh, the government obviously are also making um, uh, as many plans as they can to try and improve the situation, but by highlighting in itself creates, the, if you like, the number of people making complaints. And a lot of them, of course, turn out not to be anything more than perhaps a shouting match between a couple and things like that. But nevertheless, it is a serious problem which has been underrated in the past. Um, I think Uttlesford probably has a very low rate in actual fact of domestic abuse, but the police have to follow up every complaint they get. So you get the statistics produce possibly some quite high figures, but less probably than anywhere else um, because the amount of uh, follow-up, in fact, is less than elsewhere. But the answer is, yes, the police commissioner has a great interest in this thing. The police are diverting a lot of their time to it. It also means, of course, that the more time that goes into that could mean less time on other matters, but we'll just have to see how that goes. But they're tackling it vigorously, I can assure you, and that's why I've had these separate reports done on it, um, which originated from uh, before. Uh, Councillor Redfern, uh, and we were delighted that Reynolds Court is having a consultation. Uh, I think it's very important that the Parish Council and certainly the residents get a voice. Uh, there is some concern about the design of Reynolds Court. Um, it, it is the consultation during the day, and I'm just wondering if she would consider uh, extending it into the evening for other residents that maybe are working. Of course we would consider that, um, Councillor Rose. I think maybe the answer would be, is when we get a little bit further on, is to um, what we did in Stansted was myself and officers attended the Parish Council meeting and um, basically kept the Parish Council informed all the way through of what we were doing with um, Mead Court and I think that's exactly what we will do with Reynolds Court um, and then that's an opportunity for members of the public if we can publicise that we're there as well. Um, so I will make sure that that gets done. But also if, if anyone's got any concerns and, we're not, um, and they can't attend the consultation at any time, we're always available to assist in any way. Um, we have done a lot of consultation already on this, particularly with the residents, because obviously they are elderly and um, these things are always of a concern to elderly residents, they don't like change, but actually they um, seem to have embraced this. I share your concern. There are some points on the design that, um, yeah, we're early, early. We'll there's some changes to be done. Thank you. Modification, maybe. Uh, but thank you for that reassurance. And finally, Councillor Roth, uh, Living Wage, did you say Living Wage Association? Or, um, I didn't quite catch that. Yeah, there is a, there is, there is a national body. I, as, you say, as you probably know, the, uh, the concept of the living wage, uh, which, is, which is marginally higher than the, the minimum wage and is perceived to be what it says, um, started in London, I think, in 2011. Uh, and there is a group of those who have affiliated to the living wage, so we would be one of those. And, um, you know, we brand ourselves as being somebody who, um, uh, who, was, who, was, who was paying uh, the living wage and, and was encouraging others to do the same. Thank you. I believe I have one more from Councillor Dean. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I've got a, a question to Councillor Rolfe. He has had advanced notice of this. I've had to write 12 times to officers and members of the Council since I received complaints from members of the public over the past two weeks about an alleged infringement of a tree preservation order. So far, 
there has been obfuscation and unwillingness to be transparent. I was alarmed when councillors at last week's planning committee were gagged and threatened with prosecution. It is to me shocking that Essex County Council has said in a letter that it expects transparency over breaches of tree preservation orders to address public concerns, while Suttlesford District Council seems to go out of its way to shroud such events in mystery. It is beginning to look like a cover-up of nepotism and abuse of position. On Thursday, I wrote to Councillor Rolf calling on him to, quote, establish an investigation to be carried out by external people into the whole episode since 2013. His response has been that, to quote... Councillor Dean, is there... I appreciate this. Is, is it a question? To I'm coming to, to a question, yes. Okay. It has been that there has been no impropriety in dealing with this issue and that an external investigation would be disproportionate and unnecessary. I remain convinced and have provided further evidence to Council Rolf, which I'm hoping will help him change his mind. The integrity of individuals and the Council itself are at stake, so I repeat my question. Will Councillor Rolf, as leader of the council, this Council, arrange for an independent investigation into the incident and related events? Thank you. On uh, the evidence as currently uh, presented to the Council, which includes myself, the answer is no. Um, I, I think to start off with, and picking up uh, Mr North's earlier point, we should be crystal clear um, that uh, we're not actually dealing with the actions of a councillor. Um, the code of conduct only applies when a councillor conducts the business of the authority, uh, described as which includes the business of the office to which a councillor has been elected or appointed, or acts or claims to act to give or gives the impression of acting as a representative of the authority, uh, paragraph 2 of the code of conduct. It is no part of the business of the councillors, I'm sure we're all aware, or councillors to carry out work to trees on private land. So that is, a, that is the first key material point. Uh, the second uh, point, and I don't particularly want to go into detail because it's for others to comment, but the involvement of the former leader and the chief executive were de minimalis. Uh, they, uh, something was pointed out to them, they went the leader took the chief executive, because it's right that, uh, of the relationship uh, uh, of who was involved. The two of them witnessed a scene and started a process. Uh, thereupon, uh, Essex County Council were involved so that we didn't use our own officers to provide uh, tree surgery expertise. Uh, it's, I, I'm not allowed to comment on what happened as an outcome of that, as people are well known, not because I don't believe in transparency. Uh, I think it's uh, on absolute record that I stand by transparency for myself and for this council, but because I'm not allowed to say anything about it. Uh, so uh, that uh, rather concludes that matter. Um, and uh, as you said in your letter, I give you a very full response to your letter, Councillor Dean, um, and as you said yourself, this is a relatively minor, though technically criminal act. Uh, you then don't, went on to say, by a member of the this council. Well, I, I have dealt with that. So, um, there, was a, there was an issue. It was dealt with. It has created another issue, which we're going to deal with in part two. Um, and uh, uh, our legal officer, has, uh, uh, as head of enforcement, has followed that through. Uh, uh, and dealt with as necessary. So I, I, I'm, 
I'm not clear what else is expected, and I certainly don't believe that uh, an investigation is required to something that uh, is, 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 is as transparent as it can be within the law. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. I just wondered, um, are we likely to be taken to the Ombudsman again over this? Well, I will refer to uh, Mr Perry on that, but I would very much doubt it, bearing the nature of what, I, and the way I've, just, what I've just described. Okay, thank you very much. Anybody else? No. Oh, sorry, Councillor Asker. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, sorry, it's one last question. It's for uh, Councillor Rolfe again. Uh, nothing to do with what we've just been talking about. Um, I just want to take you back, uh, if I may. You mentioned about car parks earlier on in your presentation. Um, a member of the public approached me this week with regard to the development of Swan Meadow Car Park. Um, with the, the places that are going there, I guess, is for the cover for Waitrose development. Um, are those car parking spaces to be permanent? Uh, and the question from the public was um, about the digging up and the dismissal of garden beds, which might be of interest to Councillor Easton uh, with his new role. So if there is provision for car parking spaces and that's going to be permanent, what happens to the uh, wildlife and everything else that goes around it, please? Yeah, a number of parts to that question, so uh, let me take them one at a time. We're looking at uh, over 40, I think it's 43 extra spaces at Swan Meadow. Uh, that won't deal with the 300 spaces we lose at Ferrycroft in January, but obviously it, it's a part, um, and it will be long-term. It's, it's a permanent arrangement, it's, uh, so, and work is underway. Yep. Um, Clearly, uh, we, uh, you, you know, we're putting down car parking, so we're putting down tarmac, so I, I understand the point you're making, but care will be taken to ensure that the landscaping is appropriate, uh, bearing in mind that we are putting down more tarmac than we currently have. Uh, I, I, I'll refer to Councillor Easton, but I, I doubt there'll be much disturbance to wildlife, uh, so, but I'll let him comment on that. Um, but I think you know, it's like life is a balance and um, as I referred earlier we, we need adequate car parking in the right place under the right circumstances to continue the economic prosperity of our community and uh, over time we will need more and more car parking uh, the short term um, uh, disruption uh, with the Waitrose development uh, will deal with, with short term measures but uh, Swan Meadow is for the long term does that answer every point? Okay. Thanks. Thank you very much indeed. Um, we now move to points 7, 8 and 9, which require uh, any matters received from the executive, a matter received joint arrangements and external organisations, and matters received from committees and working groups, which I believe there are nothing, there is nothing to report. So we move to um, item 9.1 which was review of the Cabinet system and overview of scrutiny arrangements. Uh, Chief Executive. Thank you, Chairman. If I start this off and then ask Councillor Menor to uh, join in, would that be OK? okay. Um, Chairman, members, the Constitution Working Group has been talking now for quite a while 
uh, we started off, or they started off talking about um, the pros and cons of cabinet working. And um, through that discussion came uh, a conclusion that there was no real need to, to change the system at the moment. Clearly a new council um, in May 2015 will be looking at, at all things and it may be something it wants to look at as its governance or it may not. Uh, and that was the conclusion it drew. But in looking at the pros and cons of the two systems, um, the working group was aware that some members of the organisation felt somehow more disconnected than they had been under the committee system. And um, the, the working group decided to explore that further. And as a result, they had a discussion with the um, chairman of scrutiny, with the leader, and took written um, submissions from the chairman of the audit commission. And uh, really came up with the conclusion that for effective cabinet working, we really need effective scrutiny. And whilst we do a lot of scrutiny, and it's no, no criticism of how the scrutiny committee works, it was felt that um, there's a real opportunity to enlarge the scrutiny role of the council if there is this uh, feeling that people are not as well connected with the decision-making process as they are with the committee, were with the committee system. There's also um, a bit of rosy-tinted recollection of the committee system, particularly by some people who weren't around when we had it, but um, there's still this element of um, how the scrutiny can, can, uh, role can be enhanced. And they came up really with um, five areas which really do need us as an organisation to think a lot different to how we do. And the first of those, really, I've marked them A to D, A to E in the report on page 32. I suppose the most important one is C which is the real cultural change within the organisation that's needed. And it's um, the fact that scrutiny needs to be seen not as a means of thwarting the administration or putting something in the way, but as a positive role, as a means of improving policy, improving the direction of the authority. Uh, and that's by everybody within the council. It's got to be looked at in that way. And if the council, as a group, I'd say, not just members, it's officers, it's all of us, we need to think about how we um, arrange for a healthy scrutiny. And there are a few areas there. We would need to do, um, as officers, we'd need to be getting things before members at a much earlier stage, a lot more forward planning. We do that already with the Cabinet Forward Plan, but we'd need to work on how we could perhaps enhance that. Um, and um, obviously, we'd need to look at the types of things that we go to pre-scrutiny. You can't scrutinise everything, otherwise we would um, we'd clog up completely. But the, there are things to explore here. And again, the, the, the final one was um, around call-in, where the, the, the scope to do that is rather limited at the moment. We need three members of the scrutiny or scrutiny chair, whether that could be enlarged. There are all sorts of formulae that can be applied to do that. Um, and another suggestion that came forward is that uh, when the scrutiny committee sets up working groups, that could include members from outside scrutiny. Um, uh, and um, so, so uh, you know, I could sort of bring more members into the function. That sort of sums up where we've got to. I don't know if Councillor Menor, you want to add anything to that as chairman of the group. No, thank you, Chief Executive. You actually summed up the exact words I'd written down. <laughs> but I do believe Councillor Howell would like to say something this evening from the performance and audit uh, Please. 
Well, I, I wasn't quite expecting Mr Chairman to speak straight away, I, 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 but I, I do actually owe an apology to, to Councillor Monell and um, her colleagues on, on the working party. Uh, despite what the Chief Executive said, I, I was actually rather late in getting my written submission back, so I'm not entirely sure whether they got my written views or not. Um, and I'm happy to share them with you. Um, they did ask me my views as Chairman of the Audit and Performance Committee, um, and I think that both the Cabinet system and the previous committee system has, has lots to recommend it. Um, in, the, in the case of the, the, the Cabinet system, the most important thing, of course, is the improved efficiency, and that's quite clear. And I think in the context of the last seven or eight years, I, as, as a, as a councillor, have certainly valued, and, and frankly, as a local resident, have valued the fact that we've been able to take decisions and do so efficiently. I, I, I'm, no, I'm not sure that we, any of us know exactly what the electorate expect or want from us. Um, we use our judgments, but the one thing I'm absolutely certain of is that they are not remotely interested in what we do, for the most part. They just want us to get on with it. Um, and so, as such, I think that the Cabinet system works extremely well. The committee system, in my experience, did not work particularly well. And as the Chief Executive said, there's a slightly romanticised view after the last four years of, of just how inefficient it could at times be. But I do recognise that not all councillors feel as engaged as they should be, um, and I regret that. Um, I think there is a good deal of misunderstanding as to what is actually involved by scrutiny. The phrase that is repeatedly used is that we are critical friends. And we've all had friends like that, and sometimes you actually have to question whether honesty to the point of rudeness is actually friendship at all. And, and the, the, the point about scrutiny is it's about improving decisions. It's not really about reversing decisions. And yet many of the occasions where I've seen us scrutinising things, it's because we've seen it as an opportunity to get our own way, to reverse something we've been unhappy with, to have a second bite at the cherry, as it were. The other thing I, I think I need to point out is that audit and performance has two roles, and one of those roles is most certainly not scrutiny. The audit committee is a governance function. It is responsible for the oversight of the, um, uh, the financial management of the, the council, it ensures that members of the public can have confidence that we have the appropriate financial planning, asset management, uh, financial management systems in place and that they are sound and robust and appropriate and that we provide value for money. It is not the role of audit to provide scrutiny in that context. I do recognise that there is a scrutiny role for performance, but we are a slightly schizophrenic um, don't quite like that phrase, might reverse that. We are a slightly um, uh, backward, forward-looking committee um, when it comes to scrutiny in the sense that performance does have that responsibility, but audit, in my opinion, does not. And we need to be quite certain and understand that, that that's the case. And in the case of the performance committee, I think that we do provide very strong scrutiny of the executive uh, and of, of the, the management of the senior management team and the delivery of our services. But it is about delivering high-level scrutiny. It is not about getting into the detail, into the weeds, as it were. We are not there to micromanage each and individual case or concern. 
And when those issues come to my committee, our, our committee, I'm always very keen to point out that that's the responsibility of individual councillors to solve and not for the committee. But thank you for letting me share, you, share my views. Thank you, Councillor Hull. Councillor Easton. Thank you, Mr Chairman. <clears throat> Page 32 of the report, of the papers, uh, 7E, the bottom line, it was felt that non-executive members should, in appropriate circumstances, be able to call in a matter which concerned a material number of them. Um, now, I, I, I understand that, in fact, this is all in the melting pot and is subject for discussion, but if it's possible to um, give an answer to this, then I would be grateful. Does this, does this phrase, in fact, mean that the generosity of spirit of the working group's proposals to extend the call-in facility uh, to non-executive members, which, incidentally, I totally applaud and fully support. Uh, does it somewhat dilute that spirit of generosity by the need for several members to agree on a course of action before the scrutiny committee will accept the call-in? Um, and then, even after the imposition of, of an annual uh, restriction on the number of call-ins uh, permitted... If, if, if this is the case, perhaps it's not so generous after all. And I, would, I look forward to further discussion in the, the suggested uh, uh, members' workshop uh, in paragraph 9 of the report. Thank you. In, indeed. Um, Councillor Evans, I believe. Thank you, Chairman. Oops. Um, I'd just like to agree with Councillor Easton talking about 32E, also to remind people about 32C, about the scrutiny function um, to be accepted and welcomed because I, I have to say that my personal experience of scrutiny has been an impression that a lot of what we get has already been done and dusted, that decisions have been made and that we don't have power to influence those decisions as we should do. And having attended some very good training on scrutiny, I didn't feel, and I, I don't feel at the moment, that um, we are able to operate to the, in the extent of openness or have the, the influence, perhaps, that we should have. Um, you know, often we can get documents where decisions have been made, and we're not at the beginning of that where we might talk to the budget holder and ask them about their budget before everything is a fait accompli or done and dusted. So sometimes it makes one feel that um, the, the current system is that we are, are following what the cabinet says instead of having an input into what, what is happening to truly scrutinise <coughs> decisions um, and for our residents that's all we're doing this for we're not doing this for us we're doing this so we could do the best we possibly can for our residents and, and that's, that's where it is so I welcome this paper I, I welcome um, the points that have been made and I would just say uh, about scrutiny that I do recognise what Councillor Ralph had said earlier on about the car park report 
which somehow last year seemed to disappear into a black hole but has now come back again and I welcome that because what I'd say is that myself, Councillor, um, <coughs> Councillor Godwin and Mawson were all involved in a task group for scrutiny for day centres and can I tell you, it's hours and hours of work for us and many, many hours of work for officers. And I really appreciate the hours that officers put into this. Um, and those of you that have been on a task group would know that. So I, I would just ask that um, the work of task groups uh, is taken very seriously because of the remit and what we do and that the work doesn't disappear into another black hole. Thank you. Uh, thank you. And indeed, the, uh, the, the recommendation, um, uh, one of the points is about the presentation of, uh, or the earlier presentations of reports, which will um, give the opportunity for pre-scrutiny. So I'm sure that will be raised in, in the suggested working group. Um, Councillor Dean, I believe you were... <coughs> Yes, thanks, Mr. Chairman. As somebody who's not been involved in this piece of work, I would personally welcome what, what is here because I think that the general direction is correct. I think there's still some way to go. go. Um, I've got a few, you might call, nitpicking points, but they are, there is a princip are principles behind it. For instance, paragraph 7C on page 32 it refers to scrutiny function. I, I do think it should refer to the scrutiny and audit functions because the principles in here, uh, I believe, strongly apply to both the scrutiny committee and, uh, and, and the performance and audit committee. I, I would take issue with the, the word in the same paragraph, thwarting, because the scrutiny process cannot thwart the cabinet. If the cabinet chooses to do something, it can do it. Uh, but uh, but this, is, this process is here to, to challenge, and in fact, the very words to challenge the executive are actually in the council's um, annual uh, governance statement, which gets signed off by the performance committee and maybe elsewhere. Um, so, you know, challenge is the key word. It's to make people sit up and think uh, and possibly change their mind, uh, but at the end of the day, it is down to the um, decision makers, the executive decision makers, to decide what what decision to take. Um, I would say that I think that the idea in E on top of page 33 of having an annual limit on uh, call-ins is totally misguided. You know, it'll be like the silly argument we had over people speaking at planning committees. Occasionally, you get a large number at a planning committee, but it hardly ever happens, and, and experience says we don't get many call-ins, so the fact that you make it slightly more flexible isn't going to cause an avalanche, and I think setting a, uh, a false target will be the sort of thing that uh, Prime Ministers do, and then don't meet them, so I wouldn't bother, I wouldn't bother setting one. Um, and I, final point on eight, permitting councillors who are not on scrutiny or performance and audit to get involved in working groups I think is very essential. We've got quite a number of members who for one reason or another don't get involved in the work of the council. They in many cases have skills which will be relevant to the work of let's say the scrutiny committee. Why not include them if they're the right people for that particular piece of work? So I think that that is a, another welcome move and uh, overall I, as I say I welcome the direction this is going in but there's more work to be done. Thank you.
Thank you, Councillor Dean. I'm sure all of the points that have been made today will um, be fed into the suggested uh, members' workshop and be considered further. Um, I think all we have to do on this is note the, uh, the recommendations, and I trust that the Chief Executive will at some stage organise this, this workshop. I will, Thank you very much indeed. Uh, we now move on to 9.2, which is Independent Members of the Standards Committee. I believe, is it Councillor Eaton? Are you going to speak on that? Uh, thank you very much, Chairman. I'm speaking in behalf of Councillor Mawson, who is the uh, Chairman, but, but away on holiday. Or... Councillor Lemon. Sorry, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite right, too. Yes, yes. He's, he's been gone so long, I've forgotten who he was. Right. Um, let, let's now deal with something really serious. Um, you are aware that we have three independent members on the Standards uh, Committee, uh, and regretfully one of them has chosen to go move to another part of the country. Uh, and as your report says, a second is also going somewhere else. Um, so we will have in due course uh, two vacancies. So the, the report um, has recommendations, uh, but they are amended. I'm not exactly sure why, but, but um, uh, you, what you have is the amendments uh, which would be a piece of paper that's on your desk, so uh, your, your table. So I'm asking you to refer to the amendment, um, which is on the other side of, I think, um, Councillor Ranger's uh, report. Uh, so do, do you all have the amendments? Yes. You're all well organised. Very good. Right. Um, the, the, fir the, the first recommendation is that there is no amendment made to the job description and person specification for independent persons. So no change. Um, the second is that um, members recommend to full council that a subcommittee of the council be appointed for the purposes of recruiting new independent persons, uh, and that would be a, 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 a semi-permanent, as it were, um, such committee to include one of the independent persons of the standard committee. So you form a subcommittee uh, of a group of, of members and, and you also invite one of the independent uh, to be part of, of um, uh, that for the purpose of recruiting a, uh, uh, the, the next independent. Um, and, and that members recommend appointing two independent persons as soon as possible on the basis that the second is going in May. So if we get started now, we just about to do it. So uh, it's as simple as that. Obviously, any questions, I'll happily answer them. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. <coughs> Councillor Rolf. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I, I think at a pre-meeting with the, uh, the other leaders, uh, it was thought the easiest way of doing this was for the, uh, lead, the, the, the balance of this committee to elect an independent person would be three Conservatives, one independent, uh, one Lib Dem, and one totally independent person taken from the uh, existing independent members of the Standards Committee. So if I could just propose, Chairman, that I consult with my colleagues and that uh, Councillor Dean and Councillor Lemon does the same thing and we'll come up with a committee for you. Um, I, for my part, I'm offering out to my colleagues here uh, that uh, we're, I'm looking for three representatives. Councillor Knight has already expressed a desire to sit on this committee, so uh, if you're comfortable with that, I'm looking for another two volunteers. So if anybody wants to see me afterwards about that, that would be great. But if you're content with that uh, procedure, that would be...
Chairman, one of the independents, Mrs Georgina Butcher-Dalton, has expressed a desire to act in that role. She is the one who will be staying on the committee, so it seems to make more sense that she should do it rather than the retiring member. If members would agree to appoint her, that would be helpful. Um, uh, Councillor Dean. Uh, I, I've got one um, question about the person specification. I notice that the recommendation says don't change it. I'm not quite sure whether that was really to approve them as set out or with some reason not to change it. But anyway, I'm just going to raise the point that um, from, my, from my experience of attending a hearing some, I don't know, over 12 months ago, um, the then independent chairman of the Standards Committee or board or whatever it was called said um, well, this is a bit difficult. I don't know what the role of a councillor is. Uh, and, and it struck me that if we've got independent members of the Standards Committee who haven't got a clue or say that they don't know what essentially role they're, they're overseeing, then, then you know, that's, a, that's to me a problem. And so I just wonder whether there should be something in here which says you know, knowledge of the roles of a councillor um, because that's what the job's about. Personally, I would expect that to be the case. But, um, can we have uh, uh, this report? Is um, we have to vote to approve um, the principles uh, outlined in A, B, and C, with the proviso that actually the um, group leaders nominate um, uh, the necessary people rather than us elect them here tonight. So, um, with that proviso, can we have a show of hands to agree? Those recommendations, please. Thank you very much. That's carried. At um, 10 now, membership of committees and working groups. Again, Councillor Rob. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, when this item was uh, first put on the agenda, um, circumstances have moved on slightly, but at the time, um, Councillor Mackman, who sits on the planning committee, uh, was not representing the Conservative group. Um, since then, he uh, and others um, have created a new political party, um, which I think is RFU, Residents for Uttlesford. Um, so that really enhances the point uh, that I am uh, making, uh, that one can't really represent the Conservative group if you're not technically um, uh, representing the Conservative uh, party at all and a, a member of another political group. Um, so therefore uh, I, I would like to recommend that um, uh, Edward Oliver takes the place of uh, Councillor Mackman um, on the planning committee. The local joint committee, the, the, um, the meeting with our trade unions is normally uh, undertaken by the leader of the council, uh, so that uh, would be myself. I don't know whether I can nominate myself, but uh, uh, that has been the tradition. So I, I would take over from Councillor Kettridge on that. Now, since, obviously, the news that uh, emerged during the course of today, um, we also have Councillor Asker, who sits on the licensing committee. She also <coughs> has moved to RFU. Um, so the same thing would have to apply. Uh, I haven't conversed with my group as to who that might be to take her place on the licensing committee. Uh, the good news is that there isn't a meeting of that committee before our next council meeting, so the issue of 
participation doesn't arise. So um, those, uh, Chairman, are my uh, proposals. Thank you. Thank you. So we are just voting to approve uh, Edward Oliver and Howard Rolfe. Don't have to. Nomination. Sorry. I can't see. Who's that? Councillor Watts. Councillor Watts. <laughs> Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'm somewhat confused. Um, I would have thought that the only sound reason for taking anybody off a committee is they're not performing their function in a proper manner. Um, I have seen many, many uh, meetings of the planning committee and I'm quite convinced that Councillor Mackman's participation in that committee has been to the benefit of the council. We seem to be putting a party political um, slant on something which has only got six months to go anyway and it seems a very strange thing to do to be changing a committee that has functioned reasonably well and has made some very good decisions over the course of the last, uh, last period of this, uh, this council's term. Um, and it does seem to me somewhat, frankly at this stage of the time, to be somewhat mean-spirited. Um, can I ask how many members it takes in a group in order to guarantee a member on the committee, on the planning committee, as a matter of interest, because I don't know what the rules are? Can I ask um, Mr Perry to answer both of those questions, please? Chairman, yes, with regard to the first matter, it is the duty of the Council to appoint to committees the nominee of the, um, the groups who have those seats. So the Council has no choice other than to accept the, um, the views of the Conservative group as expressed by the group leader. Now, that's a, a legal duty the Council has. With regard to the second matter, political balance depends upon the, um, the allocation of seats. It's a complicated co uh, calculation. It's not possible to give not enough answers to how many seats it takes to guarantee a seat on the planning committee, I'm afraid. Councillor Asker. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm sorry that it's all come as a bit short notice for uh, this evening's meeting. However, um, I failed to see that there's a political gain on the licensing committee. I'd have thought that that was one of the committees within the uh, authority, which is not particularly political. It's with regard to anybody and everybody. Just to pick up this point, um, it, 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 we're not talking about political gain. Uh, each of these committees has a balance which is dependent on the balance of the council, um, and we start the year with that balance, and we obviously <coughs> carry that through. Um, I don't think of myself as mean-spirited. Others might. Uh, but it was not about being mean-spirited. It was about um, representing uh, with a Conservative somebody who was carrying the Conservative label. Now, as I say, uh, the issue is, 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 is different, actually, from when we started this process. Uh, RFU has been formed, um, and you, you, you guys are now carrying a different label. Uh, so you must allow the Conservatives to have somebody that's remaining within the Conservative Party to sit on those committees, not to make political decisions as such, but, uh, but th that is their entitlement. So I don't uh, see any contradiction in that. I think it's a perfectly logical process. Yeah. Councillor Perry. Thank you, Chairman. I did have quite a long list of things I was going to say, 
but uh, a lot of it now has become irrelevant because at the concept of the new party or group, whatever you want to call them, they surely will be entitled to a seat on certain committees, including those two. But the point I want to make is that I and has Councillor Mackman have been on the planning committee and have done many appeals and we have got appeals outstanding. Are we saying that uh, Councillor Mackman can no longer support the appeals at this moment in time? So it has to be go alone or what is the position? Mr Perry. Uh, Councillor Mackman was a member of the planning committee when the decision was taken, therefore he would continue to represent the council on those appeals. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I'm too much of a lady to call Councillor Rolf Minsmilitid, but I do remember that we had Eggie Abrahams, who was an independent member, who was not entitled to a place on the planning committee, and I think I've been on there 14 years now, and people were moved aside to allow him a place. So I wonder, why is there one law for one and a different law for another? Could, uh, could somebody explain that to me? Because I don't understand. Uh, do you want an answer to that? Yes, please. I mean, I don't know the details of Eggie Abrahams, but I'll just repeat what I said already. We, we ha have at the moment uh, an entitlement on both of those committees. Uh, Councillor Perry makes a perfectly legitimate uh, point that, that that might change. Um, and uh, we, we're just carrying out and fulfilling those vacancies. So I'm not sure that Eggie Abrahams has got anything to do with, to do with it. As I say, this, this is not about any kind of behaviour. This is following a due process. Sorry, may I, may I come back? Uh, sorry, may I come back? Well, actually, a precedent was set uh, for Councillor Abrahams. I mean... God rest him, he's died, so he can't say. But he was actually a member of the Independent Party, did not have a, uh, a role in, or didn't have a place on that committee, but because everybody liked him, he was a good councillor, um, been on the, on the council for many years, he was given that place. And I think that can be verified. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, um, I've learned in the last little while that uh, Councillor Mackman has... Um, declared himself a member of a different party and I learned today that Councillor Asker did. I don't know if there are two of them, three of them, four of them. I think until the Chief Exec has numbers of how many may be a member of this new group, he cannot possibly bring to this Council a report on proportionality on committees. When he does so, which may be on the 11th of November, then we have a discussion because it will be quite clear how many seats this new group is entitled to. My understanding at this moment in time is that the former independent group of three members actually has more seats than they're entitled to do, and that was done by negotiation, and that's fine. But, you know, we are discussing the situation that we find ourselves in today with only two people in this council chamber that I'm aware of who actually <coughs> said they have joined a new group. So I think we have to leave the chief exec and Mr Snow, our legal officer, to sort out the proportionality as at the next council meeting on the 11th of November. Uh, I have a list of people. Um, I'll go with uh, Councillor Mackman, I think, believe, wanted to say something. Thank you very much, Chair. <coughs> uh, just picking up on the point that uh, Mr Perry made earlier on, that a, uh, the leader of a group can nominate members. We're not in a position to actually... I mean, I've given paperwork to Mr Snow, and uh, obviously he won't be able to deal with that until the next meeting, but at the next meeting I propose to nominate Councillor Asker 
for a place on the licensing committee and myself for a place on the planning committee. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Councillor Knight. I apologise uh, for being late, um, hospital waiting lists, um, and I've come in a bit late on this. What I'm concerned about is that I always thought that planning uh, was totally non-political, and I would have thought that experience is more important than party politics. Councillor Mackman has served very well and been praised when it suited them for the work he's done and I find it incredible with such a short space of time till the election and with so many appeals in action and I'm glad that Mr Perry has confirmed that Councillor Mackman's down them but we are throwing the baby out with the bathwater experience must take precedent over pettiness and I do think it's petty at this stage to ask Councillor Mackman to come off planning to put somebody on with no experience and I find that that is bringing party politics into something that should not be. Thank you Councillor Knight. Councillor Howell? Oh, Mr Chairman, um, well we, we've obviously left the best to last but I'm surprised that it is a surprise um, I think that political balance on committees is a well-established and completely understood um, tradition. Um, Councillor Knight says that planning is not political, and I would certainly say that in my experience, audit is neither political. And my recollection is about three years ago that there was a by-election in Newport and Councillor Parry was elected and the Liberals had previously had two seats on audit and performance and they relinquished one of those seats and <coughs> Councillor Parry joined the committee and she makes a very valuable contribution. But what I recall most was that the, the Liberals did so with very good grace when Councillor Wilcox left the council and there was the by-election. There was no discussion, no debate, no suggestion that it was uh, mean-spirited that Councillor Parry was entitled to that seat. So I, I find it quite surprising that we're even having this debate. Uh, after seven years on this council, I have seen it happen a number of times, and I do not understand why it is a surprise to anyone in this room. Thank you, Councillor Hell. Um, I'm cognizant of the fact, Councillor Perry, that you did have a number of points to raise, but can I give you the opportunity to raise one more? Thank you, Chairman. All I wanted to say was that Without the full facts, I don't think we should make a decision today. On the 11th of November, which is only a short time away, we can make the decision then when we've got everything at our disposal that the new party has been introduced and we know the percentages. So I would be looking for a deferral. Well, I won't repeat myself, but uh, we are where we are today. We might be in a different place on November the 11th. But uh, I guess the other key question, of course, is that uh, councillors Asker and Mackman were elected on a Conservative ticket in the same way that Douglas Carswell was, um, and therefore I assume that they will be doing the honourable thing and resigning so that their constituents can decide... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
whether they want uh, an RFU. I'm trying to get my head round that because I've always associated that with rugby. Um, but uh, whether they want an RFU, a war, a UUR or whatever uh, label you are standing under, uh, whether they want one of those candidates or whether they want a Conservative candidate. And I think it's perfectly legitimate that you ask your constituents that question, which is what uh, the two UKIP members have done nationally. Okay, we're drawing this to a clo close in a minute now. Um, Councillor uh, Evans. Yes, it is very brief, and all I wanted to say was that um, I certainly agree with Councillor Knight. I'm quite puzzled and concerned by this very swift decision to remove hard-working and experienced councillors from very important committees that have a huge impact on people's lives in the district. Thank you, Thank you very much. Uh, Councillor Watson, did you... Want to add something? Thank you. Very quickly, I thought what you just said there, Councillor Wolfe, was disgraceful. Um, I'm afraid um, up to then I was really agonising over this, but I think uh, when you're counting the numbers, you better make it three because I will formally withdraw from the Conservative group. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm I really think that uh, this discussion about whether um, any of the persons concerned should be appointed or not appointed is academic. I think what we need to do as a council is to ask Mr Perry, to, as our legal officer, to confirm that the um, political balance is appropriate on the planning committee and on the licensing committee and that, um, the, uh, that that is laid down. It's not something that you as members or I as members can choose to alter just because we don't like it and because we have to be uh, friends of Councillor Mackman. Um, the fact is that uh, the, uh, the rules are there and they're there and we have to abide by them. And uh, um, I'd be very grateful if Mr Perry was allowed again to... Um, just reiterate what the situation is with regard to political makeup on those committees. Chairman, yes, the, the council is obliged to politically balance the committees so that the committees broadly reflect the makeup of the council. Political balance is to be reviewed annually. It was last reviewed by this council um, at the annual meeting in May of this year. Where there is a new political group formed um, during the course of the council then that triggers a review of proportional representation. But until that happens, uh, we're in a situation where the, the political balance of the Council remains as set in May of this year, which means that the seats are allocated to the groups um, on a committee basis, and those groups fill those seats. So until such time as we have a review of political balance, which I understand is likely to be on the 11th of November, the Council must abide by the, the wishes of the um, majority group uh, with regard to its seats on the Planning Committee and Licensing Committee, and therefore has no alternative other than to ratify the appointment of Councillor Oliver in place of Councillor Macmillan Planning and to ratify the removal of Councillor Asker from licensing. Councillor Dean, I'm a, again, cognizant of the fact that uh, you've had many I think we're being, Jerry, so I think we're being it, academic rather than pragmatic. Let's make it uh, There's, a, there's an extraordinary meeting of the Council on the 11th of November when there ought to be, and I hope will be, a, a report on political balance then it can all be sorted out in one fell sweep. I think I would ask the... 
In order to avoid any more silliness tonight, I would ask the leader of the council to withdraw his current proposals, leave things as they are, let the Conservative group leave present members in their present place until the 11th of November and let's see what happens. Because there isn't a planning committee between now and then, I think. So what's the point of taking somebody off something that's not going to meet and then that person gets back again on the 11th of November? That would be silly. So I think let's just be pragmatic, close this discussion, withdraw proposals and come back on the 11th of November. Can I say for the last time this evening, we are where we are today. Circumstances might change, but uh, that's uh, what we are putting forward and uh, that's what will happen. Uh, I'm sorry, Councillor Watson, uh, you didn't like my comments. I I, I thought they were reasonable. It is what um, uh, Douglas Carswell and... uh, Reckless, uh, Mark Reckless have done. I think it's a perfectly legitimate uh, thing to do in terms of turn to your constituents when you are now representing a party. I don't, I, I'm not being antagonistic about that. I just think that's, uh, that is political uh, behaviour. But as I say, we may have to beg to differ on that one. Okay, thank you very much, everybody, on that. Um, that's purely ins- there's nothing to vote on on that. Um, as... Sorry, Chairman, on a point of order, I did make a proposal for deferment. Surely you should look for a seconder before we go any further. This is not a decision for the Council. Chairman, um, the Council hasn't got the ability to defer it. The Council's got to abide by the wishes of the group to whom the seats are allocated. There is no choice. However, as we know, uh, developments may change things by the time of November the 11th, so that's... Uh, uh, the next, the next uh, time that that will be considered. Thank you very much. Um, Chairman's uh, urgent items. I don't have any. So the next item is to move into part two, and that is for the exclusion of the public and the press, uh, because there is an item containing exempt information within the meaning of paras 127. Schedule 12A of the Local Government Act 1972. Can I have a vote to move into part two, please? All those in favour? This is a vote to move into part two.